All right, y'all ready? Yes, sir. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Man, no KD, Luka, or Trey. Yes to Curry, LeBron, and Giannis, and Cat has some criticisms for Russell Westbrook. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? What up, everybody? Happy New Year. John, how you living? What up, what up? Good to be here. And Sammy, how you living, my friend? Can't complain, my friend. Can't complain. Well, we've got some quick hit news here. I'm going to pull in Sammy for this one. The Clippers, Paul George, is going to miss three weeks with a torn elbow ligament. Can the... Can the Clippers stay afloat? Sammy, what do you think? It's depressing. Uh, that's what I think. Uh, <laughs> so with Paul George, the news was that they're going to actually reevaluate in three to four weeks. He has a torn UCL, which is a very common injury actually in pitchers in baseball. So they're hoping rest and rehab will take care of the problem, but there's a chance that surgery is still on the horizon. Obviously, we hope that's not the case. In terms of staying afloat, next eight games are going to look tough. They're getting Brooklyn again with all of their players right. clearing protocols. Boston, Phoenix, Memphis, Atlanta, Denver. You're looking at a lot of teams that either are in the playoffs now or were expected to make the playoffs at the start of the year. Biggest issue I think that's going to come from this is on the offensive side. The, the issue with Kawhi being out is that there was no one to create shots or really move the ball outside of PG because those two were our primary shot creators. Now they're both out, so we need Terrence Mann to step up, be more aggressive. Ty Lue's been imploring him to do that. Luke Kennard will have 25 in one game. The next game he'll have three. And then Brandon Boston, the rookie, has played pretty well in a few games, but as he's a second-round rookie, they'll begin where he disappears. The hope for them is that the West is such a cluster right now from 5 to 13 that it might actually help them out. The Clippers are 17 and 17. They're still the five seed. So if they can play 500 ball, keep them in the race, ideally keep them out of the plan so that they don't run into Phoenix or Golden State in the first round. And bold prediction on this, if they make any sort of run, it'll be because Brandon Boston really elevated his game and he'll get talked about with some dark horse rookie of the year consideration because he played that well. (laughs) Very dark horse, but I'm just going to throw that out there. That is a very dark horse. And speaking of dark horse, uh, I got to talk about the Utah Jazz. They're currently sitting third in the West. You know, Donovan Mitchell, He's averaging 25 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. And basically the Jazz, they're a first place offense team. And the second place offense, which is Charlotte, the gap between those two is basically the same gap that's between the second ranked team and the 15th ranked team. That's absolutely ridiculous. That was from uh, Stat Muse. It begs the question, is Donovan Mitchell a top 10 player? And my answer simply is no. Definitely not. Top cracking the top ten is so difficult. You could at me all you want, you know, the clinic NBA pod. Come at us on Twitter. I got Steph Curry, Atentacupo, Durant, Jokic, James, Embiid, Doncic, Davis, Paul George, and James Harden. Yes, I stuck James Harden in there. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to leave him out of the top (laughs) ten. But I'm going to skip. I'm going to move past this topic here. I know everyone wants to talk about this, but I'm going to move past it. Kemba Walker from 10 straight DNPs to the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. John, what do you think of this, man? Tom Thibodeau, offensively incompetent or offensively genius? (laughs) (laughs) Because you have to look at it this way, right? They bench Kemba Walker, take him completely out of the rotation, 
at the end of November, yeah. where he was averaging 10 points, two rebounds, and three assists. Fast forward to December, 10 games later, mid-December, Thibodeau reintroduces him into the lineup, and now he's averaging 26 points, seven assists, and eight rebounds, which is mind-blowing for somebody his size. So maybe Thibs just knew that Kemba needed a kick in the butt, kick in the pants, some motivation. He wasn't playing up to his capabilities. We know Kemba Walker is an all-star talent. He has potential, but he was playing like complete and utter trash, if we're being honest. Bonafide scrub. Look at him now. Eastern Conference Player of the Week. The Knicks went 4-2 and in the last six games, and he's playing much better. So maybe Thibs is smarter than we think. Maybe he is an offensive guru. Probably not, but hey... You got to do what you got to do what's best for the team, and Kemba's playing much better. So good good to see that, and hopefully he keeps it up. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll definitely see what they do with Kemba Walker. Um, JJ, I want you to talk about the Greek Freak. What do you think about him? Greek Freak came back from COVID protocol on Saturday for the Christmas game against the Celtics. And within the last five minutes of that game, the Celtics were up 13 points. And here's what Giannis did. Giannis dunk. Next possession, Giannis dunk. Then a Giannis assist. Then a Giannis two. Jalen comes back with the two. Two Giannis free throws, another Giannis dunk, another Giannis layup, Jalen two free throws, and then a made three by Matthews. So what does that (laughs) say? Total domination by the Greek freak. The Bucks are always the second thought of today's NBA even though they just won the championship and just to pivot it kind of shows you what the Celtics need which is an MVP caliber player to close their games we've often talked about this on the clinic which is a championship team not only needs chemistry and a top five defense you also need to have an MVP type caliber player which I don't think Tatum and Brown are. Hold up. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that, but Tatum closed out that game with zero, went for zero for two with two turnovers within the last five minutes. They've had Kyrie, they had Hayward, they had Kemba. Nothing came out good within that core group of Brown and Tatum. And now there are trade talks with those two. So Greek Freak domination just showed you that one player could make a huge difference while those two didn't come up clutch with a huge playoff or playoff atmosphere game for Christmas. Yeah, and speaking of Christmas games, for the overall weekend, we you know we we do these this thing where we try to pick winners and for the Christmas Day games for the weekend, Sammy man came up on top. He gets 4 out of 1, JJ 4 out of 1 as well. So both of them up top. I was 3 and 2 and John was oh, two and three. My Yo. goodness. I'm Yo. just trying to keep up with the Lakers record <laughs> just, here at six. Just and also want to chime in. You're doing a good job of keeping up with the Lakers, first of all. Uh, I know. I, I do also want to chime in for any of the listeners who happen to catch our short on diagnosing the lines. The the recommended wagers went two and zero. Oh, the money line parlay of the Jazz there you go. and the Knicks and the Warriors taking them at plus six both panned out. Just want to throw that out there and. Pat myself on the back a little, but anyway, continue on. There it is. Boo. Yeah, and those listeners um, that don't know about <laughs> diagnosing diagnosing the lines, you can find it on our Facebook group page or on Twitter 
at Clinic All MBA. Again, that's at Clinic All MBA. All MBA. Come follow us. Um, the overall rankings right now for Pick Sammy, the gambling man, is atop everyone. Ten and four. JJ nine and five. I am eight and seven, and John is six and eight. His strategy worked against him. Uh, Christmas and, and well, hold on can we, can, can, there's the elephant in the room there <laughs> because yes my record's terrible it. but Sammy with all of his connections are we not gonna claim insider information it's here it's or what oh man yeah some level of tampering 100% or <laughs> did we say that let's wasn't talk, okay or <laughs> let's talk about the first game here good boys okay so the Warriors defeat the Suns 116 to 107. It was a playoff atmosphere. This was the rubber match between the two teams. It was the third game. The Warriors came up two and one for these games. What did you guys think of this Christmas Day game? Warriors without Wiggins, without Poole, without Damian Lee, without Moody, and without Iggy, who's been playing well in needed games. You add Clay and Wiseman within with without that ro- within that roster, right? It just makes you think the ecosystem of the Warriors is one to be to behold, and the Suns, who people are, I don't want to say excusing them, but they're justifying their loss by saying they didn't really take that game seriously. <laughs> well, you had Aiden Booker and Chris Paul playing 38 minutes. Kerr made some great adjustments where they didn't make CP3 catch at the top of the key and get that one shot. They actually doubled off the screen. And I felt that the Warriors played with more energy and they came off with that win with their role players. So big up to the Warriors. The Suns definitely should have won this game, but Otto Jordan Jr. showed up in the last three minutes. It was like watching Michael Jordan highlights and listening to Lionel Richie at the same time. He absolutely took over the game. And, yo, big ups to him and big win for the Warriors missing missing key guys. And just overall from a higher level, I know the records are similar. Warriors are the better team right now. And they're they're at the top of the mountain right now. I know Phoenix made the finals last year. I know the Warriors got into the plane and got knocked out there. It doesn't matter. We're we're back to the Warriors from a few years ago, where they are at the top. They're going to start getting everyone's best shot. But it looks like they can handle it. And with Porter, it kind of reminds me of the end of the era with the Michael Jordan Bulls, where it wasn't always Michael himself who finished those games. He would find the right players mm-hmm. at the right times occasionally, and it would be these role players that would step up and hit big shots. And when the Warriors won their titles a couple years ago, sometimes it was Iggy. Or sometimes it was a role player making the big plays. And I feel like we're getting back there. And that's a great sign for them and a very bad sign for the rest of the league. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Strength in numbers is back. I'm going to move us on to this next game here. The Nets defeat the Lakers 122-115. to John, Mm. I know you probably have some thoughts on this game. I do but I don't want to share them with you or any of our audience. Excuse me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not a poor sport. So the game, I, I was, well, I was spending time with my family, but I was, the game was on in the background and I was keeping track of it until they started losing terribly. But obviously the, the main thing that stood out was Westbrook shooting four for 15 and AD is out for four weeks to, five weeks however long it is but 
Westbrook, you're getting paid $45 million this year. So you cannot be shooting four for 15 in a huge game like this on the national spotlight. It's really just unfathomable. And if you're missing, if you're not playing that well, you, you shouldn't be chucking up this many shots. I get it. He's always playing 100%, but he is... He's, so the big thing about Westbrook, which has always been the concern and always been the frustration, is he has tunnel vision. He has complete 100% tunnel vision that he has a hard time. He has no peripherals. He doesn't see other things that he could be doing or things that are affecting the game in, in a negative way. And so it kind of cost us. I mean, we lost by seven points. And if Westbrook plays to his standard or what he's capable of or what we expect of him, the Lakers would have won this game. And Mind you, it's without KD. Obviously, we didn't have AD, but KD is the next best player by far, in my opinion. And we should have won this game. The Lakers should have won this game, excuse me. So, disappointing all around, but again, I hope everybody had a Christmas, a nice Christmas, because I had a terrible one, like the Grinch. I'm the party pooper. <laughs> and just, you know, yeah, go ahead. I'm just kind of curious what you think about LeBron James passing Kobe for most points on Christmas Day? I think it's amazing. I do. Uh, obviously, I'm a Kobe stan. Uh, Kobe is my guy. He's probably my favorite player. I, I, he's not the best player, if, you know, if I'm being objective, but he's my favorite player of all time. And so it's a lot of people might think, well, that's kind of whack, you know, or not give credit where credit is due. But LeBron earns every accomplishment that he has or that he's going to get now and moving forward. So to see it, do see him do it in a Laker uniform, even though he's not going to be remembered as a Laker, is still really cool because you appreciate greatness, yeah. you appreciate legendary status, and that's what LeBron is doing. He's cementing it. He's already cemented himself as a legend, as one of the best players, if not the best player of all time. So to see him do that. It, in a Laker uniform is really cool. So big ups, appreciate the accomplishment. So it's funny you you mentioned LeBron because that actually was where I wanted to go with this on a little bit of a higher level beyond just that game. The big red flag for me with the Lakers until tonight, uh, we're recording this on the 28th and they beat Houston tonight. But prior to that, five losses in a row. And in those five losses, LeBron went 31-14 and 6, 34-7 and 2, 36-9 and 6, 39-9 and 7. When LeBron is playing that well and you're still losing every game, we've got a big, big problem. And yep. in regards to Westbrook, he does have tunnel vision. You're absolutely right. And I know it's like hindsight is 20-20, but 13 seasons of data on this guy. We know what he is. A leopard's not going to change his spots at this point. Yeah. I don't know what you do at this point. I know they're talking about shopping him and what have you, but he is what he is at this point. Is he going to be the biggest problem? I don't necessarily think so because you know what you've got. It seems to me that Davis is going to be the X factor for the rest of the year if this team is going to do anything. He, he is. has to step up. He's the one who fell off. Yeah, really. I agree with so, that. I'm only bashing so, Westbrook because he was the one playing this game, but no, I, I, I agree. AD if he was playing. I agree with you on that. Like, I completely <laughs> agree with you on that. Westbrook, Westbrook kind of blew this game, but I'm just looking at it from a higher level and just seeing that Davis is the one who I think he's going to have to be the one that turns it around, turns it around this year for this team to be any sort of threat. Because obviously, right now they're just not. Yeah, I agree 100. percent I mean, since with, we're talking about like 
Westbrook. <laughs> Hockey fans. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. The NHL got rid of its ties in 2005, so you know someone's gonna light the lamp. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restriction supply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We might as well just bring this into the conversation. Carl Anthony Towns um, basically said that he tries to do too much mm. and that he chases stats. He thinks he's a hell of a player, but he doesn't care. Um, what do you guys think of that? I'll just chime in real quick, think, if that's all right. Go ahead. I think it's ironic because the person saying another guy tries too much does try to do too much <laughs> is somebody who actually does the polar opposite who probably doesn't do right. enough and anybody who knows Carl Anthony Towns kind of would probably agree with me so I'll leave it at that well Westbrook has I believe uh, when he does have a triple double he wins 75% of the time but we have to talk about winning when it counts which is the postseason and there have been multiple times, especially during that Nets and Lakers game, it was a microcosm of what Westbrook does in important games, which is not doing your role or knowing your role within your roster. Like you mentioned tunnel vision, that last play where Patty Mills leaked out to the corner and Russell Westbrook was doubling on the strong side. And it's just like, did you not realize that your man was had seven three-pointers at that point and you're gonna leave him open at the most important part of the game it's not coincidental that while you were out Russell Westbrook that your team had a 17 and 0 run Talk to that's not coincidence and on top of that like I know we're bashing Westbrook but it goes it comes with justification because Russell Westbrook, throughout the whole game, they were they were looking at him and they were targeting him. James Harden just came back from safety and health protocols. And when Westbrook was guarding him, he usually has a 4-5 screen, meaning that the center or the forward plays pick and roll. You know what he did? He called it off because he, he knew that he was going to cook Russell Westbrook, and he did. Yep. Coming coming off sickness, like, I know I'm bashing the dude, but that's just facts, right? Yeah, and you know what? I, I agree with a, a couple different things on, on this. So, John, on your point with Kat making that commentary, that I find funny. I think Jimmy Butler would rather play with Westbrook, frankly, for, for one thing. Right. Uh, with Westbrook, he obviously does. He has a he has a ton of faults as a player, and, and we've talked about that ad nauseum here, but... One thing I'll never question with him is the fact that he wants to win and his effort in general, although on defense he just looks clueless sometimes. But you know the guy is 
playing as hard as he can. It's just the way he goes about it doesn't seem like it's winning basketball in terms of winning when it counts. But at the same time, too, like Jay was saying, I mean, Mills didn't do much of anything. He just leaked out to the corner. It's not like he went through three, four, five cuts on that play. And Westbrook just, I think he was at the elbow at one point and didn't move, if I remember right. And Mills was sitting in the corner alone. And that's 14 seasons in. You're going to let that happen at that juncture of the game? It's it's inexcusable. But just going back to this particular topic, Cat being the one to make those comments is just kind of like, <laughs> you made the playoffs once as the eighth. Yeah. And it was so bad there that Butler literally pre-planned an interview with Rachel Nichols, got into it with everyone out of practice to make sure he could get out of there. Right. That says enough to me. Yeah, and um, I'm just going to comment real quick. I mean, Russell Westbrook did have a response. He said, "People, I think people are expecting me to have a 25, 15, and 15. That's not normal. He's absolutely right. That's definitely not normal. And I think that Russell Westbrook just might not be on the right team. He's not an awful player. He's not a terrible player. We're describing him as if he's like G League level player, but we know that he's not. He's a, he's a true NBA player. He might be a true NBA starter as well. Um, but anyway, I'm going to move us on to the next topic here. There has been momentum for an in-season NBA tournament. Super interesting. Uh, people think that's going to have like pool, pool play involved, but basically the in-season tournament would have a purse of $1 million per player for the winning team. Um, it would also count for wins and losses towards your record. So that basically means that there's going to be effort that's going to be placed in this tournament. And it would shorten the season from 82 games to 78 games. What do you guys think of potentially having an in-season tournament? I see both pros and cons. I know that they've we've talked about this before, actually jumping on this episode, but there is a $1 million per player purse yeah, for the winning team and I think that's obviously going to affect some players more than others LeBron James probably isn't going to care that much about the purse I mean money is money but there are guys on there who are making minimum or who are not making nearly as much as the stars on the team so that would you know that's a lot of incentive and a lot of motivation I know we talked about this earlier but I think it would be cool if they included maybe a draft pick or something that would help the team significantly in the future and kind of I think it would give even more incentive even more push to to do well in this tournament but I think it's kind of it's kind of cool that Adam Silver is pushing the envelope trying something new and that's that's what good commissioners that's what good leaders do is they always try to add something that can you know attract fans attract just people that aren't as avid fans of basketball and the play-in was one of those things so I'm all for it trying it and seeing how it goes and go from there I agree I, I like when new ideas come up just to as long as they're not a drastic overhaul which this really isn't if it's a mid-season tournament couple games I do agree that my only thing is I'd like to see some sort of team compensation I guess is the term though the way John was saying whether it was draft compensation or not necessarily messing with playoff seating but just something so that there's something else to play for because that not only engages the players but I think it would engage the fans a little more too because for us yeah watching it I mean we're always gonna watch basketball we love basketball but 
if we knew, you know, us as fans of the Warriors, Lakers, and Clippers here, like, we get an extra first-round pick, then it's, like, something for us rooting for these teams to, to cheer even harder for. It has just a little bit more meaning. So, but overall, I, I do like the idea. I'd love to see them put it in practice. And, you know, worst case, if they do it for a couple of years and it doesn't go over as expected, you scrap it. It's not the end of the world. You go back to the 82 and go from there. And Adam Sil- Silver's taking note from fo- football or football. American, yeah, or soccer, which is you want to have more people tune in. But I think from a marketing standpoint, they wanted to have people watch the NBA in December and November where you know the monotonous of watching NBA games early in the season your interest is not as high and no one's going to say no to a tournament so they're trying to compete with the NFL the NFL actually had games on Christmas Day this year and I don't think Adam Silver particularly liked that and you want the NBA to be talked about all season, and what what better way to have a tournament in December? Right, and going along yeah. those lines, just you make a really good point about the NFL. The only reason I want to chime in is because if I remember the calendar correctly, Christmas next year is on a Sunday. Just throwing that out there. Ooh, there so you go. Oh, nice. now you're not comp- now you're not competing <laughs> with two NFL games. You might be competing with a total of fifteen or sixteen, and whether it's the tournament falling around then or doing something else, you're going to have to compete. On Mike some drop. Level, so. Mike drop, Sammy. Just, with no, the... JJ made a really good point. I was just thinking about that because Christmas landed on a Saturday this year. So, that, Yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm all for this, this tournament. And the reason being is because I forget who said it, but basically the NFL is king. And I know we're an all-NBA podcast, but the NFL is king as far as attracting stuff. And the big reason why is because they have so much disparity, right? Even if your team absolutely sucks, you still have hope every single week that your team might win. And in a tournament like this, a single elimination tournament, there's a team that could get hot, right? And win this tournament. And you could bring excitement to teams that necessarily wouldn't be in the NBA playoffs, right? In a seven game series all the way through. But you could definitely have a deep run for like a random team that gets hot, right? I mean, right. Yeah. And I think it adds more excitement. So I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm going to take us to our last topic, and that is dub or dud. That basically means I'm going to give you guys a story. You guys say whether or not it's a dub, like a win, or a dud. So the first one is Christian Wood. He tried to zip a ball during a fast break. I don't know if you guys seen this video. If you haven't, you should go te- check it out. But he zipped it right into the crowd hitting a woman trying to get to her seat the headshot was so startling that the announcers had to comment on it this woman is now getting courtside seats from christian wood dub or dud to christian wood for offering courtside seats for his errant past victim i'm gonna start with john dub that's super cool to do it's kind of embarrassing to get hit with a ball like that i will say Christian Wood has a lot more accuracy than a lot of NFL quarterbacks this year. I'm talking to you, Jared Goff. Sorry, Lions fans. We got a we got a dub from John JJ. It's a dub, but you got to keep your eyes on the ball at all times. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're at a basketball game, baseball game. Keep your eyes on the ball. But hey, you got hit in the face, but and now you're sitting courtside, so it's a dub. 
Sammy, what you think? I think it's a dub 100%. And I'll say this. If I knew that was the conversation, I'd be diving in front of the ball and getting hit in the head <laughs> on purpose to get Corsair. <laughs> I'm going to surprise you guys. I'm going with a dud. And the reason why I'm going for it with a dud is that that lady should have laid on the floor longer. <laughs> she she like should that. have milked that thing. Get more than courtside seats. The next topic. COVID has, has been running rampant throughout the league, which means... There's basically been a revolving door of players entering and exiting lineups for the Clippers-Nets game that announcers had difficulty remembering the name of Langston Galloway after he hit a three. Basically, the play-by-play announcer goes like this. The three is in the air. It's good for... Uh... Uh... And then Reggie Miller interrupts and says, Exactly. <laughs> they couldn't remember. Dub or dud to these announcers for getting a player's name. Dud for the audience, dub for, or I'm sorry, dud for the announcers, dub for the audience, because that's pretty funny. And honestly, I yeah. actually, I'm surprised that it doesn't happen more often. There are guys in the league, I mean, come on, there are some guys in the league that shouldn't be playing basketball, so half of the right. Clippers roster right now. I'm just kidding, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, what you think? I'd say it's about a third of the roster, but um, to answer that question, it, it's got to be a dud, but in their defense, I was listening to the local the Clipper broadcast on it, and I guess what happens is they normally get a roster sheet before the game, and because yeah. the Nets had so many late entries into the protocols or so many recent right. signings, they just didn't have the current sheet. So I think uh, Brian Steeman, who's the Clippers announcer, was looking at the sheet, and he saw the number and didn't see who it was, and and there you go, <laughs> and, and that's what happens. So it, it has to be a dud, but slightly defensible <laughs> right jj what you think i would say dub but it's a dud man you have these players working their ass off and you have these announcers their only job is to know the players on the court and you can't even do that no that's, come they're on ignorant. that's ignorant <laughs> i'm gonna go with a dub langston galloway actually had a clap back to this he basically said Next time, I'm going to make you remember my name. And, you know, bulletin board material is always the best. Anyway, that's it for our podcast tonight. Uh, JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, listeners. Happy New Year. John, thanks for being on. Hey, thank you, guys. Second to last episode before the new year. And Sammy, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And, yeah, happy early New Year. And I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.